I can go mobile. Hold on. Uh oh. I can do this. Oh, <laughs> I have the notification there. Hold on. I'm going mobile for stuff. Me though. too. One more. Oh, yeah. yeah. I should probably get Jeff on in a few minutes, but I'm just going to. I kind of been writing in a little bit of show notes Whoa. here. Nintendo Zapper Gun used to rob bank. That's awesome. And it just happened. Really? Yeah, that's today's date. This is going to be a good show. I'm pretty stoked. Oh, you can actually drive the ducks? Yeah. Yeah, that's. Uh, it's one of the little-known facts. People forget that uh, That's cool. player B can actually control the ducks. I love that. All right, got to dial in um, uh, our guest <laughs> details. Here we go. See if he picks up. All right. He's like, nah, I'm not in. He joined. And right. is that All Jeff? Right. Hey, Jeff. Yep. Let me see if I can uh, find the right camera here. I, I should be showing a video, but it looks like it's not letting me do that for a second. Let right. me troubleshoot. All right. Blue circle with T-E. I'm going to add yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, not the last time I checked. Let me, let me see here. Um, <laughs> this was working when I tested it like an hour ago. And of course, it's not working. So let's see if we can get this to work again. If you need any expletives, Adam usually has a few extra. <laughs> okay. For technology that's not working. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, let's see here. You're good. Well, you're- Take I your time. This week went so smooth, Adam. You you had some stored up. Oh man, <laughs> last week was really irritating. Hey Jeff, this is everybody. I'm Adam. This is Mark and the uh, and uh, Brian. So, oh hey Adam, hey Mark, hey Brian. Hey, uh, let me see what this says here. This is my my my. Oh, oh that's good. Oh, that's definitely the <laughs> that's a lick duck hunt. I think I actually have a clip of that in my soundboard. I'm going to go check. What's all that garbage behind you? It looks awesome. All the garbage? Oh, this is the lab. So this is this is where the magic happens. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, off to my, I don't know if the, my, is my video feed. This is my right. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah. reverse yeah. for you? Or? Yeah. No, it's perfect. So, you just keep. Great. So, yeah. yeah, it's yeah, correct. my right, you have the whole wall of obscure and oscilloscopes, power supplies, various other types of instruments. And then over on the other side, we have the, the bins of, of past projects, the bins of projects failed and successful. So <laughs> a bit of a mix there. The bins and, uh, of projects past, right? Like the uh, Christmas Carol. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Little some of them just pretend out. they never happened. And sometimes you, you say, well, what if that project had never happened? And things would be the same as they kind of the answer, surprisingly, sometimes. <laughs> Other times it works out pretty well. So um, I pulled down the, the duck hunt bin and uh, have a few props I can also whip out if, if needed. But, uh, yeah, so lots of fun stuff. And then the computer, of course. I am so stoked about tonight's show. <laughs> like, for one, we're going to talk about an awesome game that, and we're going off the rails because we're kind of an arcade podcast, you know, but we get in, we dabble in everything and we're all video game nerds and duck hunt counts as an arcade game. Cause well, there's a versus duck hunt. Right. There's a there versus is. duck hunt. And, yeah. and in fact, I, in that version, you can shoot the dog what? in the arcade version. Yeah. Not the, not the uh, home console version, but I did not know yep, that. in the arcade version, huh. I'm told that in the arcade version, you can shoot the dog, which of course is, Fulfilling for the people who are always frustrated by the dog well, laughing that, to your, uh, That could your be an urban legend. But, oh, it, by the way, we're going to have chatters, <laughs> and the chatters will be asking questions too, so that'll be... Okay. 
We have Duck Hunt. Oh my God! Look at that. Shoot the do- shoot the dog. Shoot him. <laughs> it's Play Choice Ten though, so it's basically running. That's we're gonna find out if, the, if this this legend is true. Well, that's the NES ROM, basically. Isn't oh, that's it? the NES version. Oh, okay. I, yeah. Oh, you know what would be awesome? We should see if we can hook up a controller to a second player on there and control the duck. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, that's true. That only works in single duck mode, though. You're losing your headphones. <laughs> I'm losing it. <laughs> Hold on. He goes into this like weird pose. Right. I had to do that now. I won't do that during the show. I promise. <laughs> I don't promise, but I likely not do it. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I'm here in Minneapolis. Uh, Brian's in Minneapolis. Matt, uh, Mark's in Houston. Where are you at? I'm in Denver, but I grew up in Minneapolis. So that's really uh, some connection. Yeah. Well, actually Maple Grove. So one oh, of the cool. uh, suburbs. I'm, I'm actually yeah. in Golden Valley. So just a little bit south. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. Been to Golden Valley a number of times. Yeah, that's awesome. I lived downtown for 10 years, and then I left. Fantastic. Then you left. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, technically, I lived in St. Paul for a while, too, but I just sort of don't mention that generally. Um, (laughs) Well, I lived there. I was on Cathedral Hill, so it was pretty neat. Oh, yeah, that Um, is cool. pretty cool. That was a neat area. I got Uh, big regret, though. I lived right across the street from the curling uh, place, the curling rink. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. For, like, two years. Mm. And... Never went curling even once. And oh. it's a huge shame because I later learned, after watching the Olympics, that curling is mostly about drinking beer. Ah. So I would have been really good at that. Castle uh, danger. <laughs> never mind about the uh, the rocks and the sweeping. And I'm, I'm sure there's other stuff, too. But, uh, yeah, the beer drinking, I think, is the, the part where really That's would have great. excelled. Nice. Playing hockey, too. That's, a, that's an important skill in playing hockey. Yeah. In beer league, anyway. Speaking of just which, I'm empty. Okay. <laughs> Didn't you just say that I like five minutes ago? This is the biggest bottle of beer I could find. So oh, wow, that's a good one. Right, it's a terrible. Yeah, I'm drinking. Ooh. Do they still make that Castle Danger? Yeah, they, they just came out with a, the new email. Oh, that's an awesome one. Yeah. Castle okay. Danger. I've got to get some of that. Hold on, I'll be no, back. Yeah. So okay. Castle Danger is uh, just north of Duluth, North Shore a Brewery that opened up, and it's um, they've been doing really well. I've been to the North. I grew up in Minnesota. I've been to the North Shore a number of times, and I always liked the name Castle Danger. I always thought that was just a great name. It is a great. Never name. really understood why it came to be or what it was supposed to represent. No, Castle Danger, great name. It is a fantastic name. I, oh, I'm gonna have to. Uh, fantastic. I want to write down a, a list of adjectives. In fact, I'm gonna do that right now. I'm gonna get the thesaurus up so I can try. Look. Super duper. That one doesn't. Super get duper. It's badass, man. Awesome. It's badass. Gnarly. Yeah. We could. We could we'll, in the uh, reopen the nineties here, or the eighties. <laughs> oh, that's Teenage good. Calabunga. No wait. <laughs> yeah, that'll work. Can you hear me? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait. All right. Yep. right. Back in business. I had to rejoin the call. At least it's real good. Yeah. A lot better. Uh, the old turn it off, turn it on again. Wait a minute, Jeff. You're not. You're not imbibing. Are you a non-drink? Oh no, no. I was just drinking tea. Maybe I should go have a beer. Yeah, that be more I think loosen, loosen up a little bit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Let me, uh, let me get you're a welcome my, to be my fully chair. Make sure you get two because you'll you'll need at least two. <laughs> so should I just grab the bottle of scotch? Is that there? You go. Uh, oh yeah. Smoke? I might have vodka. So. Right. All right. This is gonna be good. <laughs> I love your Mortal Kombat. It's awesome. Yeah, this was a you know, of course, like a golden T ninety eight or something. Sure. Yeah. Converted. Yeah, I, I I deconverted it. Uh, I can't remember who I bought the control panel from, but did that you, was a fun one. Did you? Uh, is that the one where you got the art to come back with Citrus Strip? 
Yes. No, no. I used uh, alcohol. Okay. Ninety, 91% alcohol. I know people use citrus strip or they use goof off. But I like the alcohol because I can control it and it never, ever harms uh, the art. And I also used it to take the paint off of a Williams cabinet and it didn't touch any of the stenciling. Really? Yeah. It was weird. Like the stenciling was like baked in or something. I have no idea. And I even like painted sample paint and and I was even able to remove that fresh paint with the alcohol. So I I just stand by the uh, 91% alcohol. I have like two gallons. You look so good tonight. You, okay, so you just cut out like you kind of normally do. Your Wi-Fi gives out every so, so often. Right. But All right. When you guys see the stream, you're going to love it. As long as it works. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, oh, well, Scotch. Oh, okay. Oh, is that Lagavulin? It is Lagavulin. It's the double-matured Lagavulin. Oh, so, my God. I love yeah. PD. You know, I didn't right. used to be a PD Scotch guy, but I love PD Scotch now. That's pretty good. I, yeah, real fan of, uh, of Isla and Scotches, like, like this one or yeah. like Lefroig or sure. other ones. Yeah. Get that, get that peat in there. Yeah. Lagavulin, maybe not as much as Lefroig, but still really good smoke, a little more smoke True. here, you know, really True. good. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're right. I don't think anything's really as much of uh, as peaty as Lefroig. That's just sort of, uh, it tastes like fire. Yeah. It it, burning? It's uh the, the 10 years is not bad though. I mean, and scotch has gotten oh, yeah. ridiculously expensive. It has. It really know. has. The other thing I'll, I'll really enjoy would be Armagnac. I don't know if you've Oh, yeah. Armagnac's Armagnac. great. Armagnac. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, oh, shoot. You're going to make us live? You just keep talking, okay? Because we got to let the crowd warm up. But you can refresh your browsers uh, starting right now, okay? So see how this goes. I may have to um, help my family log on in the other room. I just got to push through the phone. That was very nice. Nice. Oh my god, it looks so good. It looks way good. Wow. Oh, there okay. we go. All right. That is insane. It's way there we go. It's like how, how how did we not do this before? That's what I hey, I I made you do oh, this. Good. I'm going to think I'm going to take credit. <laughs> I think Mark said last week, "Why don't you do Skype?" And Adam said, "Ah shit, it's not working." <laughs> Yeah, well, <laughs> we only needed five hours of setup time. <laughs> right. Good evening, Brian and Jeff, uh, who are now in the chat. Good evening. Right. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, we got a couple of guys. Oh, Brian Froberg. Yeah, it's good to see you, buddy. Jeff Hagedorn. All right. This is going to be a fun night, I can tell. Yeah. Oh, a second, Jeff. Well, you see, the important thing about this is that other Jeff here yeah. has his yeah. name spelled correctly. Jeff with the J. You see, you can't trust these. G-E-O-F-F's? Uh-oh. What just happened? <laughs> you gotta be shitting me. It's about Scotch, to say my mom right. was a strawberry daiquiri woman, and so that I could not, you know, in, you know, participate in your conversation. Uh, and a red, a red lobster <laughs> strawberry daiquiri woman, also. So, did we lose Brian? No, he I went to go. He was going to go get something. Uh, red, red lobster. They have those. Uh, you guys. Those, those I don't know what just happened, but the. The, the the feed just dropped for a couple of seconds. So it's kind of interesting that the feed, as I'm seeing it on YouTube anyway, right now is um, looks like Mark with a beer in his face and just sort of frozen in place. Interesting. Let's see. Well, I definitely am not drinking the beer right now. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if everybody else is doing okay or That's Skype's great. still working. So yeah. I'll just assume that my browser is having. No, no, you're fine. Uh, Skype crashed. Uh, I don't know how. Great Scott! Oh my God! They found me. I don't know how, but they found me. Look hard, Marty. Who? Who? Who do you think? The Indians! 
very odd. All right. Well, you know, we do have a format. We should probably get rolling. Let's do it. All right. Roll it. (laughs) Oh, my God. Live from KOYR Studios in Minneapolis, Minnesota, this is Arcade Radio. Season 3, Episode 6 of the Arcade Radio Podcast. Today is Thursday, December 27, 2018. That time is approximately way too late for the show to be starting. Thanks for joining us in the Arcadosphere. This is your host, Adam Stevens. I'm joined by my co-host, Mark Time Runner. Well, Mark TimeMachineRental.com shields if you want to go a little bit further and advertise <laughs> for you. And then, along with Brian, ParadiseArcadeShop.com, Armitage, or as we so fondly love to refer to him as Brian McLeod Armitage the third, um, or, or something like that. And tonight, the guest host of Arcade Radio is the Modern Mallet project creator and mastermind, Mr. Jeff Keecher. Welcome to the show. Hey, great to be here, guys. Uh, so, you know, we had a long, cold open. You know, no, nothing wrong with that. It's a good half hour or so. We'd like to talk a little bit about what you've been working on. Mark, what you've been working on? Okay, so put on your seatbelts. Oh, boy. Because a lot of stuff's been Are going on. Are we going to have to delete other weeks. parts of the show now because of this? Uh, I'll try to get through this really quick. Okay. Because I have so much stuff happening. Right on. Um, okay, so I bought five games recently for 500 bucks total, and I fixed the monitor on the one that was a Starfighter, I mean a Stargate, that is now a Street Fighter, and I don't know why I started to restore it, so I started cleaning and I took things off, and then at the same time, I started restoring a 99 Blitz by replacing the hard drive with a new compact flash card, and then I built out the control panel from Marble Madness because in our last show we, we interviewed the phoenixarcade.com mastermind and I got a good deal. I got his artwork in the mail. It's super awesome. And then last but not least because I have three things up in the air I decided, hey, I could have a fourth thing and I picked up a Warlord's Cocktail Project from Coinop Warehouse because I love having active projects and that's it, I swear. How about uh, What? That's it? Yeah. That seems a lot. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) I mean, you know, I mean, mean, last time we talked, we did take out the Knight Rider kit replica. Sure. And we did a thing at the the brewery and it was really successful and almost all the games worked and it was great. But um, yeah, I'm trying to take it easy now. I I just, I'm trying to only have like five active projects at once. You need to break some things to have some more projects there. That's. uh, Oh my gosh. Oh, I haven't even talked about the uh, Battlezone uh, PCB that I did destroyed basically. 
um, I was changing an IC off of it, a memory, uh, a, mem- a RAM chip, and it did not want to leave the board. Oh, yeah. But it did. Speak on. Speak on. <laughs> um, well, I think I was using, uh, I had a Hacko that was desoldering it, and mm-hmm. the, uh, the, I slipped twice. <laughs> and I skidded across all of these little tiny traces, and I was like, oh. That will definitely do it. So I had to make eight jumpers, which is a record. Wow. Wait, does it work again or did that? Well, I mean, it's not, I mean, everything, everything has continuity, but I don't really know. (laughs) (laughs) It's doing a weird new thing. And and, I got to go look up and figure out somebody else has the same problem. I don't remember these graphics being so blocky and right. Oh no, it doesn't even get, it never gets that far. It's just all test mode stuff now. I mean that, that Ram was definitely something was wrong with it. Mm. Uh, But now I get like, a brand new thing that's not in the manual so you know you know it's life that's what happens you figure it out and you troubleshoot it but uh now i have a, a rotation so i'm going to come back to it like in a you know a month and so that's good sweet uh yeah what what about you adam what are you doing oh well you know uh last sunday i had my cousins over or my cousin and his wife and two kids and they're in their teens and one's 20 ish 20 ish Wow. And um, I haven't seen them in ages. They live in Florida. But it gave me a really good reason to clean the arcade up, which was horrifically covered with, like, tools and all kinds of stuff that took forever to clean up. <clears throat> so I got all of it uh, squared away, and then I fired everything up, and Mr. and Mrs. Pac-Man just would not play. Would just not post. Just little, you know, the lights would come on on the marquee, and... A little like a pinpoint on one of the scoring LEDs, and that was it. And so I reseated all the connectors, fired it up again, and it worked for about ten minutes, and then shut off again. And then Warlords, uh, the horizontal hold of all things, you know, the flip, 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 flip. It's hard to play that when you know it's doing. Or you can blink your eyes, and then it all shows up in the right place. And I, I. For the you know the love of God, I opened up the machine and you know, oh, no. the side of it. And I'm trying to figure out where the freaking horizontal hold is, and I don't have a manual. And of course, I didn't use the internet because I already had a couple of drinks and I was having fun. What's the internet? So the internet. we didn't get to play Warlords, which we should have. And I fixed that today, and I fixed and I fired up Mister Mrs. Pack, no problem. Ran it for an hour, hour and a half, no issues whatsoever. Just goes to the machine, man. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So they're all squared away. The arcade is all nice and clean. And I think about a week from today, I'm going to have some guys over, and we're going to play some games. But it's super fun to have that going. So you know, just your normal everyday arcade woes. Oh, I, for Christmas, I did get a really cool um, magnifying glass on an armature. So now I've got this big. You know, because the older I get, the harder it is to solder. So this is uh, this is helpful. Yes. So I get this, you know, go the ahead. old man soldering station. Yeah, I got an old, old man, man soldering station. So that's kind of fun. Magnification's uh, key in that. That's, uh, you that's know, so much easier. I cannot see. It's just, and like I wear readers now when I when I solder. I feel so freaking old. Anyway, uh, Brian, what you've been working on? <laughs> uh, well, I had this great plan of getting this flash pinball fixed, and so I. Two weeks ago, right around the time of our last show, I ordered a board from Arcade Shop, and Steve Gregory sent it out really promptly. And then the post office managed to take two weeks to deliver it priority mail. 
Um, <laughs> so finally today, uh, it no evidently problem. showed up at the shop the day that I don't have time because my family all showed up in town. Uh, so, you know, it's been kind of one of these fun, like hurry up and wait games. Uh, but in the meantime, we've gotten those two, um, basically the two, uh, six player X-Men have been gotten up and going and I really need to get on top of these Omega races because I'm, I'm still disappointed that cockpit was not working at the uh, party we had here a few weeks ago. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see what happens with that. But, uh, the big active project right now is getting this uh, arcade shop board. Have you guys seen this where on the flash pinballs, um, the connector between the two boards has a lot of problems. So they created one board for the CPU and the, uh, and the, um, uh, whatever you call it, the, the switchboard. And so it, it creates one board out of those two. So you don't have those connection problems anymore. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. You got the cool stuff. Anything else new coming out of Paradise Arcade? Um, what are we working on right now? Not anything classic right now. We've got a few projects that we're going to see if we can play around with. I just ordered a bunch of little um, uh, little Arduino boards that are super cheap to see if we can have some fun with some of the uh, coin-up stuff and some other things. But that's more just playing around uh, with those things and seeing if we can show some new projects. Oh, uh, I just was reminded, the bit kit. Yeah. I finally updated it. That's it's another, awesome. I up I got I got um I got a few extra things. Anteaters running on it now. Nice. Ooh. That's a great game. Jump bug. Huh? Yep. Mm-hmm. And I got uh I got this other game that I can't discuss, but maybe a couple little yellow blob with some legs walking around. What? <laughs> <laughs> Super secret. I can't uh <laughs> Oh, so this is so of all the funny things about doing this pod, the uh, this this talk show while I'm sitting at home is Susan just comes in because she's watching it and says, "Don't forget the spy hunter seats." <laughs> no way, they finally came in. Yeah, I know. It's only taken me uh, what two and a half years and several complaints and uh, juggling a number of things and me telling everybody, "Screw you! I'll do my own seat for myself for all the money and take it myself." Hey, uh, and I just saw Brian. You know, Brian uh, Frober. Just commented in the chat. We are going to be talking about that a little bit later in the news. <laughs> ah. How does he know? Everybody knows. You're just behind the time. How the hell does he know where we're going? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Adam is a. Uh, what is what are those things called? I, I barely Por- remember that movie. Porgs. Porgs, right? Yeah, they're the best part Porgs. of the movie. <laughs> You know they, you know they put those in because they found all these puffins on the island and they couldn't get rid of them, so they just CG'd over them. <laughs> oh, that's why I love them so much. Because they're like they're they're just the only reason they made it in the movie is because they had to cover them up. So it's great. Anyway, so uh, Jeff, uh, what have you been working on? And it doesn't have to be arcade hobby related, but you know what have you been working on? Well, it kind of is. So you know, it, it is the holiday season, of course, and so typically in the past have sent out holiday cards because adulting, and uh, this year I decided to do something a little bit different. Yeah, supposedly adulting, I guess. I made a, and apologies to the guys who are on listening to this audio, but I made this holiday card that is oh, cool. a PCB holiday card puzzle, um, and had the, the boards custom made, and essentially it's a, a card, it's about uh, four by six inches, mm-hmm. And it has a little a drawing of me with my dog and uh, a fireplace. And you can do various things with some buttons on it and other sensors. And it's a bit of a puzzle to make it 
do other exciting things like how do you extract an image of my dog saying happy holidays or how do you get <laughs> a radio transmitter to turn on that actually transmits uh, on FM broadcast band holiday songs at about 88.7 megahertz or so. And so, um, yeah, fun little abuse of some uh, little microcontrollers and some uh, LED abuse also. So a little little fun hardware project for, for the friends and the family to enjoy for the holiday season. Just ignore <laughs> that. Just ignore that. <laughs> well, that's awesome. So, yeah. you know, and, um, and I, you know, we, I don't want to go on about what we've been working all day, but that's pretty cool. Like I didn't do anything that creative, so I'm pretty impressed, you know? Um, but yeah, here we go. It's the arcade news with Adam Stevens. All right. Well, a Nintendo Zapper gun has been used to rob a bank. A man in Hermosillo, Mexico, used an NES Zapper to rob at least one bank. Uh, this was recent, by the way. This is like a Today's Date news article. The inventive thief took a Nintendo gun, which normally is gray with an orange triggered. Not, yeah, I suppose it's more red. Uh, there is an orange gun with the, yeah, anyway. And, and put was, black duct tape on it. was a gray one. The very early ones were gray. But I have one. Yeah, the gun was gray, yeah. but the but the trigger is red, right? Or the trigger is red, yes. Orangish yes. red, I guess. So, yeah, and yeah. then later on, they became orange because you know gun safety and put exactly. a black and so this guy put black duct tape on it to make it look like a real fire, firearm, and the results are less than spectacular as one can imagine. But. Uh, <laughs> One has to applaud this type of creativity that also makes sure that no innocent people are going to be hurt during the robbery, although he might have been shot. So authorities in Mexico say that the unidentified man was able to successfully rob more than one bank in in Hermosillo in the Hermosillo area. But it isn't clear as if he if he used the NES zapper for all of them. That is that is a hell of a news story and a good tie into our our guest. I can't Uh, believe it. And And this story is from yesterday. That's crazy. So the kind of bizarre thing about that is I have heard of people painting real firearms to look like Nintendo zappers, which I think is a horrible idea for a number of reasons, but I uh, hadn't heard anybody doing essentially the opposite, trying to pass off a real, uh, an actual zapper as a real firearm. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know which one of those is worse. <laughs> yeah. is it- probably the former, because if you have a real firearm and you pretend that it's a toy, then it's probably not going to be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Bad things are going to happen. That's, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, no bueno. <laughs> so, oh, you know, hey. oh, uh, that hey, game, you got that into Mexico. Nice. It's that's funny. Right. The article <laughs> talks about all the other games that it used to be played with. Which included, um, you know, Hogan's Alley, Gotcha, Bayou Billy, Operation Wolf, Wild Gummin, and a bunch of other games. So, uh, the NES Zapper was later updated in the 1990s to, to include a scope. I don't. Was it really? I think that was the SNES. Yeah, that be um, the, that was the Super thing. Scope. That yeah. thing was awesome uh, yeah. and, and terribly slow uh, to respond <laughs> on the screen. Um, anyway, yeah, there's neither here nor there. It had. Oh, okay. okay. We're getting off into a tangent. Uh, Brian, why don't you take the second news article here? Yeah, so the 
So stay with the theme. So Duck Hunt uh, NES Secret has gone viral. So a lot of people uh, in the arcade and console community know about this, but Seth Rogen kind of got this out there lately and showed that um, if you, well, you can shoot the ducks with a zapper, and everybody's talked about shooting the uh, the dog in the um, versus uh, mode of, uh, of Duck Hunt, but what Seth Rogen got out there was that you can actually use the controller on the second player version to control the ducks, and so which honestly is not Seth shooting the ducks. It's in the, the manual. Second person can control the direction and how the ducks fly. It's in the manual. Why is it's Seth? In the manual. Why is yeah. Seth Rogen like all of a sudden the, the god? You know, seriously. Everything else old is new again. I mean, this is right. thirty years. I, I swear, I every two it. years this comes back up. I know you have to it read does. the manual. You do. I mean, you know, and that's just. RTFM. The key is though, it only works on single player or a single duck mode. Yeah. So I, I've, I mean, I've looked at the code. I've, I have intimate familiarity with the duck hunt code. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I can tell you, it only works on single duck mode. Of so course, duck mode. Nope. But I bet you, I would bet you, based on what I've, I've seen, people will believe that they're controlling the ducks even on two player oh. or on two duck mode. Yeah, just because people and yeah. because. Again, keeps coming up. Well, oh yeah. I mean, I, for those of us that have arcade games, you can kind of like tell you on the track screen how many times people in your come into your house and start playing with the arcade games and go, "Oh, I'm playing," and you're looking at it going, "That's actually the attract mode." You know, you, you keep <laughs> oh, <yeah>. going. <laughs> exactly. That's very yeah, exactly. That's actually. The I mean, track mode. Hey, if they're having fun, the, the exactly uh, the you don't want to stop reached, them. Right. Right. That's the important thing. <laughs> Okay, so we have one more news article. This breaking news, Brian. Breaking. Yeah, so I, well, I mean, so breaking that it j- literally just came up in the chat today, and this is uh, kind of funny. So we guys, we it's funny that you brought the Mister up because I was just talking to everybody about this. We released the first memory module uh, at our arcade uh, Paradise Arcade Shop for the Mister. But for those of you who don't know what the Mister is, uh, you're familiar with probably the J Rock. Uh, FPGA emulation for the Williams and the uh, Gottlieb systems. And then um, Crafty Mac Aaron has done an amazing job with a number of other cores, including Pac-Man as well as the the Nibbler uh, core. But there was an open source project that started probably a few years ago. I don't know exactly when this uh, started based on the D10 Nano um, hardware. And what's happened is it's just kind of snowballed and, and grown kind of intensively over the last six to eight months. And what it is is basically they're taking a lot of these uh, different cores, as they call it. Um, The cores can be either console, classic computer, or arcade-based cores, and they're building games on it. What started out as kind of a homebrew project and still truly is a homebrew project has really grown into something pretty complex. So if you go to the – if you just Google Mister, there's a GitHub page for it. And, I mean, they have everything from class, a classic computer from Apple II Pluses to, to Amiga Systems, Commodore 64s, um, you know, even the, uh, I mean, just looking through this list, the Jupiter Ace, Multicomp, I mean, just random stuff. And obviously people have gotten on and said, I really want the system. But when you get into consoles, it's kind of impressive what they've done with consoles and arcades. Astrocade, Atari 2600, 5200, ColecoVision, Game Boy, NES, Odyssey 2, Sega Genesis, SNES, and then for the arcade cores, just spanning the whole range of things, Donkey Kong's on there, Bagman, Black Hole, uh, Miss Pac-Man, and actually somebody just released their CPS-1 system. I'm not even reading a, a, literally 20% of the stuff that's available. Uh, and what's neat about this is you've got people doing these little toy projects like War of the Bugs is on there, and where are you going to find War of the Bugs? 
For people that aren't familiar with what FPGA does is it emulates the hardware, and so it creates a hardware uh, emulation that is much more accurate to the actual original gameplay than the software emulation. And so you're getting almost original gameplay uh, through this system. And there's a number of add-ons that people have released uh, for this Jurassic board, this D10 Nano. Uh, What's really neat about it to me is I literally looked at this three months ago when one of the guys in the shop told me, you've got to look at this thing, check it out. And there wasn't even a fraction of what's available now. And some of the people who were looking at it were saying, well, you know, it's really neat, but it's an open source project, so not much is going to happen. And it's been exactly the opposite. People have been pouring a lot of effort into it and released a lot of really neat, really fascinating and talented code. So it's been pretty inspiring. Whoa. Sweet. I mean, really. Nice. Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin quarter mile. Back, back to the to cave, cave with, with Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? Yes, Doc, there is a problem with Earth's gravitational pull, and it's pulling us back to December 27th, 1983. Oh, my God. Oh, my That's God. That's right. Oh, That's my God. Mere- 35 years ago? Wow. 35. The math checks out. <laughs> Root loops. It's just not 35. Right. That's right. 35 years ago this month, Namco released Pole Position 2, which included three additional tracks, improved background graphics, new advertisement billboards, and more fire explosions when you slammed your car into those aforementioned <laughs> billboards. Improved background graphics. That's right. There were... <laughs> Well, there were, you know, like a a carnival in the background you could never get to, or a mountain range that was never accessible, but, you know, (laughs) visible as you turned very slowly. (laughs) I I can't remember what's in the background of the first pole position, because the only board I have working at my house right now is a pole position two board. Um, But yeah, yeah. Uh, What else was going on back then? Let's talk about what was happening at the movies. Movies. The, that's right. There was a uh, go ahead, make my day was the thing people were saying to each other. Dirty Harry was back at it again in quotes, uh, <laughs> which I guess I mean, uh, he was being a policeman and shooting people uh, when they said, what, what you talking about, sucker? <laughs> but, uh, literally, like if you there's a trailer that I have a link to in these notes, but um, I don't know. I don't know if you have that queued up or not. Oh, I don't. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's okay, because this is the first time Adam has not queued something up. Wait, no, it's not. <laughs> well, it's a, you want me to play a trailer? We got to keep going. That's just Okay, too- fine. We'll skip yeah. it. So yeah. it basically, Dirty Harry, <laughs> in the trailer, he says, go ahead, make my day twice, because they're like, oh, my go God, so badass. But these are the only two things that he says. <laughs> <laughs> I forget oh, what the other thing is. Do you feel lucky, or, or something? Do you like feel that. lucky? No, that's another one. <laughs> yeah, something like that. The forty-four Magnum or whatever it was exactly. ridiculous. Yeah, cannon. You know. Uh, let's see. What was the uh, so so on TV on December twenty seventh, nineteen eighty three? The crew of the Love Bloat. Bloat. <laughs> oh yeah. I don't know. I don't know why this is queued up. I didn't ask for this anyway. <laughs> they were on the cover of Love. TV Guide. <laughs> Exciting and new. I, you know what? It's funny. I made a version of the Love Boat theme song, but with Dirty Harry for um, Deadpool. 
Is that sounds pretty good. Yeah, I think it's. <laughs> it, it starts off like. Let me try to sing it. Blood, it's as red as a rose, <laughs> and it flows. It flows out of you, the Deadpool. Yeah. <laughs> Soon we'll be making another run. Paul Williams would be uh, the, honored. The, the Deadpool, Dirty <laughs> Harry has got him a brand new gun. Oh my God, he's got the lyrics. I, dude, this really wow. happened. We did make this up. Some thought put into this. That's I, a, yeah. It's a weird not, connection. This isn't being spontaneous for the show. I am. It does doing this seem like memory. you are being spontaneous for the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what was good on TV was that the A team had a repeat on, and of oh. course it was awesome. Um, we don't need Mr. T. I think we're good here. Mr. T was on it. Actually, I tried watching the the fifth season opener of the Mr. of of the A team. Yeah, and it's like two minutes of a percussionist playing. You know, and I'm like, you know what? Let's skip that. Hey, I have a question. You do? Yeah. What's in the juke? Hello, and welcome to What's in the Juke. All right. Is it over? Almost. Here it comes. All right. But this is the part of the show when we play a clip and the audience tries to guess the name of the song. We're going to play a clip right now. Here it comes. Here it comes. It's just about there. Think that's enough? That's good. Yeah. Maybe maybe we should play just a little bit more. Sure. There we go. <laughs> now they're going to get it for sure. All right. So we're watching our audience's yeah. chat. Here it comes. You, here it goes. See how much latency there is on the uh, Oh, yeah. This is a bit of latency. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Brian Armitage says, nice. That's not correct. Brian, oh. you're here with us. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was <laughs> answering <why>. Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. I'll play a little bit more of that. I don't know why this isn't already gotten. Nope, not David Bowie. Standing there alone. The ship is waiting. <laughs> I think all of our normal people who play What's in the Juke are not are not yeah, or they're chat. or they're waiting to join because they have they have it timed really, you know. Yeah. Like they <laughs> they'll, come for, in, uh, they'll come in at around eight, eight fifteen just so they can play the game. All right, well uh, oh Peter Shelley. Here we go. Steve's got a half point. All full right. point. Oh, he got the full point? Full point. Oh, and that means I have to play the full point thingy, right? Yep. All right. Full point. There's some serious fighting there. Yeah. Nice. All right. So uh, the next track, uh, here it is. All right. Wow. And the chatters are duking it out. <laughs> wow and oh casey just yes. out of nowhere gets a full gets a full point I wow mean, had had two uh <laughs> two answers back to back i think on that one that was that was pretty close actually yeah sometimes you gotta put is that correct he got it right that's awesome i think so yeah all right here we go the next track that should be it. <laughs> That's Nothing pretty good. Else needed. That's a good one. <laughs> yes. I think the um the the um delay problem is gone there. At least at least one thing's gone. Well, Brian Fober has Brian Fober artist. Has, 
Half points. Oh, oh. Steve has half, two half points. Oh, yeah. Half point. Oh. Jesus. Half what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> it was a serious battle, that one. Okay, here comes wow. the next one. <laughs> this becomes gosh. That's it. No one's going to get it off that, are they? That, that one's a pretty obscure one. Play a little bit more. That you should you do definitely it. can. You can tell what band it is. Oh my gosh. There we go. Casey. Union of this name. Who's RC Cola 777? I'm going to give it to him. He gets half a point for that. Half point. Casey no, Steve, came in Steve, with the other. Casey got the other. came out with Duran first. But uh, Union of the Same was up in the. Uh, Oh. Yeah, RC Cola 777 gets half point. Half point. And mm-hmm. I think Casey gets the other half point because he oh, said Duran Duran. Okay, hold on. Let me. Well, yeah, I think Snape's not quite right, but that, yeah, that's. It's RC close Cola? enough. I don't see them on there. RC Cola 777, right before Brian Frober. Yeah, I, I see him. Oh, He's there right. you are. Right before right. Casey. Yeah, that's close enough. Yeah. We're going to have to Snape. get the gist of it. You need to get names. names. The names there. <laughs> These names don't get you every it's, time. It's almost as bad as getting bit by the snackle. Right. So, for those that be keeping track, Major Tom by Peter Schilling. Talking in your sleep by the Romantics. Love is a Battlefield by Pat Benatar. And here we are at Union of the Snake with Duran Duran. Let's hear the next clip. <laughs> oh, man. What the hell? Feel that. Uh- <laughs> No, no. You gotta back this up. Fantastic. Come on. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, Steve Kataki got it. Oh. We're not gonna take it. RC Cola 777. We gotta split one again there. Wow. Major fighting in the chat tonight. <laughs> That was Come On, Feel the Noise by Quiet Right Off Mental Health, right? Rock your boys. All right, here we go. I want to see if anybody gets it off that. That's a tough one. Oh, wait a minute. Why is he saying his is wrong? Oh, because he said, said we're, yeah, he did. So you're right. I think uh, Steve does get a full point on that. We're going to have to back that one up. All right, so we're. Who am I taking the half point away from? RC Cola. I'm he, sorry. Yep. Sorry. Damn. We should give him a half point for being honest. Okay. So it's done. Uh, Casey right. nailed it on just that. Yep. No, but it's, he didn't nail it. Well, Secret. yeah, that's true. He, sorry. He did not. Nail You're right. It. it is the police. You got that. So Casey gets a half point. Uh, there we go. There we go. Smart. He got there it. You go, <laughs> All right. Next like, one. Annoying. There's two songs with the same name on the same album. All right. So we've had Major Tom talking your sleep. Love, love is a battlefield. Union of the snake. Come on, feel the noise and synchronicity Two by the police. And the next track. Here you go. Whoa. That's all I'm given. That's a good song. You hopped over that other one. Is that okay? I did. It's okay. Didn't hop over anything. Yeah, look, look what's in between synchronicity and the one you just played. Uh, That's such a great song. Maybe I have them out of order, but I've got eleven tracks in here. Okay, good. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Let's keep going. 
Yeah. Oh, here we go. To Pow, uh, RC Cola. Man, RC. Oh, my God. And Brian Frober. They were neck and neck. And then Steve gets. Steve, man, you're good at this game. I mean, there are a lot of these that have been really close. Yeah. Oh. Timing. So that's the. So so wait, hold on. Did you say To Pow? Yeah. No. That's not what's listed. Tapao didn't come out with that song in 1983. Oh, Go look. Oh. Tapao saying that song in like the 90s or something. No, that's not 90s. But th- but thank you for playing. <laughs> uh, I must have gotten the wrong heart and soul. Yeah. So you were probably oh, doing like right. Huey Lewis or something. Yeah. Right? Okay. I- well, either way, they kind of mixed it up. It was 87 for that track, by the way. Okay. So that's kind of fun. Sorry about that. Right. Who, My bad. So who am, I, who am I attributing points to? Well, half a point to RC. Yes. And another half a point to Mr. Steve, Steve Taki. Taki, you're like in the lead. He's doing good. He's doing great. All right. Here we go. What a terrible intro. <laughs> <laughs> I bet I bet somebody gets it though. I bet I bet somebody gets it. Where's Casey? Yeah, right. Matthew Wilder. <laughs> oh, my God. RC was right oh. behind him, though. And he got the track. Look Two at that. Two half points. Here we go. Half, half point, point for Casey and half point for Mr. Half RC point. Cole 777. Digging that. All right, here we go. That's all you need. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you guys. <laughs> Bro, my stride. I want you to braille my stride. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, RC mm-hmm. Cole is close, but no cigar. That's all. Brian Frober with a half point. Half point. Now, full who's point the artist? Frober. Who's there? Oh, half point. look at that. Full point for Mr. Frober. There's Frober. a little bit of fighting on that one, too. Full point. For Mr. Frober. All right. Yeah, we'll play a little more. That's Genesis with That's All. Right? That's a great track. Okay, next one. I think that's enough. I think they'll get it. Really? I'll bet money. Yep. <laughs> What's he saying? What is that word? He says Shah. Like, like Shah. Shah of Iran? I mean, big country. How, how old is Look that? at that. Big country. <laughs> Casey. Mother. He got it. Yep. RC right it? behind him. You got both? And uh, in a big country. Steve gets half point for the for the name. Half point. I okay, got it. Yeah. Half, point. half for, half for Casey, for half for Taki. God, RC was right in there though. He's he's a run, he's gonna give people a run for their money. This is serious, sure. man. Yeah, here, here we go. Longest drum intro. Album version. And here you go. I know it's good. This is great. This could take you. 104. Yeah, we're going to get flagged for that, but I don't care. Wow. If they don't That's all get, they need. Right? I, I don't, like, I don't know how you cannot get this. 
Front 242. <laughs> <Ew>. No. <laughs> yeah. Here they go. Oh, they a lonely heart. Who got it? RC Cola. He got both. Right? Am I reading that right? Yep. Full point. For RC Cola. Uh, yep. You got yes, and you got the name of it, Owner of a Lonely Heart. That is wow. fantastic. So our, the way it ends up, Steve, Taki, and Casey are tied for first place. RC Cola got second, and Whoa. Brian and it. Yeah. We have a first place tie? We do, and that never happens. We need a tiebreaker. Okay. Mm. All right. Oh, That's true. Adam's going to like pick something randomly, but... <laughs> Okay, Try to pick something from 1983 if you can. And I'm, I'm gonna, I am. I'm actually okay. picking something from 83. Uh, All right. Here it goes. No. <laughs> here we go. You know, two songs start off like that, you know. No, they don't. There's only, yes, they there's only one song, Depeche Mode. <laughs> no. no. No, sorry. Def Leppard. Yes. And Rock of Ages. That's a full point for Steve. Did he full just point. did he just pull it out? He did. He pulled it out. Nobody's getting pregnant tonight. <laughs> 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 All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I got something to say. <laughs> okay. That nice. was awesome. That has been... Hello and welcome to What's in the Juke. Yeah. What? All right. So, you know, that brings us to our, our next part of the show, which I, I think we all know what's happening. I'm not really sure. What's happening? I don't know. I've had a few uh, discoveries at this point, so I'm not sure. Anymore, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh. And Mark's working on that... <laughs> bomber of a beer there i am not sure that's right this is the part where we interview the guest welcome to the show again mr jeff keecher oh thank you adam thanks guys did i get your name correctly i don't i don't know maybe you don't want your name to you know set on the that that is correct and uh (laughs) of the very uh, the many ways i've heard that butchered you you actually got it correct so good good kudos good yeah so uh i'm just gonna open up the 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 you know the interview with one question here tell us a little bit about your career path and how you came to be the engineering whiz that you are today oh so yeah i loved playing with legos when i was young so that was the early start of course but uh no the the kind of more abbreviated (laughs) version is was a engineer electrical engineer in the the medical west field for a while and then one thing to another and eventually i ended up in, in colorado doing consulting on the field of embedded hardware and embedded security and uh thought man i, I want to play duck hunt but that doesn't work on modern tvs and and thought, oh, i'm a i'm an engineer i'm a guy who can can do things so i'll make it happen and uh and so i did that's awesome i didn't say yeah. fantastic but i did say that i didn't i didn't so, see that that question being answered that way but okay but, <laughs> <laughs> i'll give you the i'll give you the boring version if you want I, a little bit little, give me a little bit I throw a bone here like where, where did you go to college and like is, was did you intend to be an electrical engineer did you start off and you know kind of find your way there <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was, I was just fascinating. I, I thought it was amazing how you can make circuits do things. I, I kind of had a vague concept of how they worked, but then in school, of course, I learned 
the theory that nobody ever uses about how they actually work. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, I did my undergrad at a, a little school called Rose Hallman down in Indiana, and then uh, went to grad school at Stanford, and um, then went back to Minnesota. Was at Medtronic for a while, and was uh, then after that decided to do a big road trip around to every state and every Canadian province, and kind of auditioned them for the next place to live, and ended up in in Colorado where I started or continued doing consulting. I was doing consulting by that point, and um, I've been doing consulting ever since. So. Um, yeah, kind of, well, kind of stumbled into it. I think it's it really clear it's, from it's Minnesota originally. Minnesota. Yeah. So I grew up in Maple Grove and then lived for a while in Plymouth and in St. Paul, especially earlier that, uh, people who live in St. Paul are very defensive about St. Paul, but since I grew up in Maple Grove, I can, <laughs> I can live on St. Paul. Well, St. Paul's great though. I didn't even know when I asked you to be on the show, I didn't even know you were from here. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. We used to walk over to the Excel Center and watch uh, games, uh, wild games. Go Sweet. buy tickets off scalpers over. Nice. Yes. the Excel Center. And, and the scalpers uh, are always like, "Who, who has tickets?" And I'm like, "Oh, wow." They say the opposite. And so, <laughs> well, the key I found really is um, to since I was I lived right next to there, I I could walk over and right after the puck dropped, they were just trying to dump tickets. Yes. And so then you can get a good deal. Beforehand, not so much, but after the game starts. It's a. It is what people in the financial world call a wasting asset. Those tickets, and so they need to get rid of them, and they need to get rid of them right, right quick. And uh, so, yeah, you get, a, get great deals on on tickets, and that was wonderful. And then I ended up in Colorado, and which is which is wonderful, and got skiing, and have uh, a space for the the lab that the people on the the video stream can see around me, and yeah, no complaints. Been very fortunate. Cool. Mark, you want to follow that up since you sure. were just all over so, it. So, and, I, I, and we are going to get to the main topic, but we are an arcade podcast. Oh, we always like to find oh, out if our guests... Snap! Yeah. You just yeah, busting like that out, out on our guests. guests. We're into arcade games, regular arcade games, and if so, what were your favorites, if any? I, I'll, I'll admit, I'm, I'm, I suppose, a black sheep in that regard. I, I played... I had We had the Sega, actually, at home, and it, it, okay. was, it was kind of leading into the later topic... My friends had a Nintendo. They were Nintendo houses, and so they had Duck Hunt and so forth. But sure. um, yeah, I, I play games on the on various Sega platforms, like the Genesis, most for the most number of years. And uh, then went into PC gaming and all the the first person shooters that were on popular in the late nineties there. And uh, lately, as far as gaming goes, been really into sim racing. Um, so, particularly a game called R Factor and R Factor Two, and this is a game where you can drive cars around tracks, and it tries to be as accurate as possible with respect to the real world in the, the sim game. So, unfortunately, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm not huge into arcade games per se, but video games is a larger sphere. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. See, and, that, and that's what we are. We're the larger sphere. Well, I am anyway, a larger sphere. <laughs> sure. You are you sure? Or I, I've seen am, you up close. I, I'll say that as the years roll on here, I, my sphere is becoming larger um, <laughs> as well. So. Well, don't, don't let it <laughs> get like me. Cause now I'm going to have to like diet and work out for the next year. Uh, it's okay. Keto. I'll get you into that. It's, right. it's fun. Let's do it. There you go. I'm into it. it. I'm I'm all down with the keto. Brian Armitage McLeod the third. How Thurston Howell the third. Where where have you been? I can't hear you. I, I'm hanging out here. I'm just enjoying the show. Oh, good. Well, you, uh, I, you know, I mean, it's you know. Don't you have some it, questions to ask this guy? I mean, I, I think there's some questions in here. Well, I mean, I'm looking at this like phenomenal uh, 
you know, assortment of electronic gadgets and gizmos behind them. Sure. And we just kind of talked about uh, collections and what the consoles are. But, like, I mean, tell us, so you mentioned you're more into consoles and console gaming and the like. But, you know, tell us some of what you've got. I mean, yeah, we're going to ask about electronics collection, but I think limiting it to just consoles or arcades. I mean, you've just got an impressive setup behind you right now as well. I, yeah, thank you. This is uh, it's it's a a grand collection of, of tools that I find useful for business. So they're they're useful for business in case the IRS is listening. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, oscilloscopes, multimeters of various sorts, um, various high precision sources and, and, and meters. So there's something called a source meter, which should, um, can measure very very minuscule amounts of current down into the several hundred electron per second sort of range, which is incredible. Um, there are some vintage instruments behind me. Uh, there is a vintage spectrum analyzer, and there's a vintage uh, network analyzer. It's something called the vector network analyzer. And I'm particularly happy with the vector, vector network analyzer because it was broken when I bought it off of eBay. And uh, it's normally a very expensive piece of equipment. And I took it apart, found the service manual for kind of a similar but not quite the same piece of hardware, and took it apart, diagnosed the problem, ended up being a, a bad transistor, a bad, like, like fraction of a cent transistor, yeah, a little little MPN BJT transistor, and put a new one in there, and the thing fired right up and worked great, and it was amazing, and, and uh, very happy with that. It, it's, it's, a, it's a thrill of, of bringing the old into the new world, into uh, bringing this piece of hardware, for example, uh, from the late 90s, into uh, the modern age and, and seeing it work again, seeing it, it do what it was designed to do and, and appreciating what the engineers of the age had had thought and, and intended it for it to do. Do you have one of these? What do you got? Uh, I don't know what that is. What are you holding up? It, it, the thing is, it's hard to tell what you... Oh, the multi-chip tester. Multi-chip tester. Well, it's not a multi-chip tester. It's a multi-device tester. It's a multi-function tester. Oh, so like an LCR? Uh, yeah, so I have a... Um, if it's like a thing that tells you the impedance of various devices, yeah. like a capacitance in the... In it does. It's like a little... You can hook it up to capacitors and whatnot. And, yeah, yeah and I, those are great. I have an LCR meter. I think that there it, it does many things that are similar to that that tells you the, the capacitance or inductance or resistance of whatever you put in at various... AC frequencies, not just DC. Um, yeah. They're well, really handy to have. And by the you way, can get those, and they're really, really handy to have. And yeah. I recommend everybody to have one. In exactly. To a multimeter. I gotta get one. We gotta have multimeter. Yeah. Plus, this will let you measure capacitors. By the way, anybody who's looking for a way to no, not a prime writer, but those are awesome. And there's a new one out that I really like. But anyway, this thing will let you yeah. measure capacitors and tell you if mm-hmm. they're okay, and and, um, and transistors and whatever else. You know, anything you can hook into this little, basically, I don't know, eight, 16 pin package, you know, so it's like three legs here, you know, two legs there. But anyway, uh, the the cool thing is, is this like 16 bucks and it also has an IR sensor. So you can actually read the IR codes off of a, of, off of a remote control. Oh, that's cool. Is that Jackson? Who's barking? That is dog. Jackson. We're <laughs> <laughs> doing something in the other room. We all have dogs, so it could be anybody, you know. So yep, anyway, yep. these things are really awesome. You got to have yourself. Uh, if you're going to do any sort of electronic testing on your arcade machines or otherwise, you need to have a multimeter. You got to have one of these guys, which is so cheap. And then, um, and um, yeah, that's. I, I would recommend a third thing into that. So I, I, I agree. Get a multimeter. Get a LCR meter, like like. 
or multifunction tests like you're showing there. Um, and the third thing that I think is real critical, oscilloscope. Get an oh, oscilloscope. Yeah. And, and don't don't bother with the old uh, analog ones. I mean, if you already have one, fine. But if you're going to buy a new one or even buy a used one, get a get a digital scope. You can get a really amazing digital scope off of uh, you know Amazon for under four hundred bucks, and it will make things so much easier to diagnose. Sure. I, like you'll you'll wonder how you ever did without one. And you can hook up your vector arcade games to it, right, Brian? So you can have Star Wars or Tempest running on that yeah, little we, one there. We use That's, it for testing yeah. the vectors all the time. It's kind of funny. I mean, it's just like yeah. plug it in and get it going. And I, I think you know, to your to your point, Jeff, it's it's really amazing. Like before you use an oscilloscope, you're sitting there playing around with boards, trying to get stuff working, swapping out chips, mm-hmm. going like, "Well, I hope this makes a difference. I hope this makes a difference." Yeah. You start playing with the oscilloscope. It's like, okay, so I can actually see what's going on here. I understand what's going on, and I can actually fix this proactively instead of just you know, blast replacing a bunch of parts and going, okay, keep your fingers crossed. Hopefully this goes right. Exactly. Yeah. It's the difference between a, like a shotgun and a scalpel. Like you have the, it's Mm. it's so useful. So I just want to first, while everyone's mulling over ideas, what to ask you, uh, I want to ask the chatters. This is uh, this is an interesting show because we're kind of getting into the nerdy stuff. I think one of the cool things is uh, let's you know, light guns are guns in general in a ge- in games are fun. Like a duck hunt game, fun. Uh, Hogan's uh, Alley, fun. Uh, I even like some of the newer stuff. You know, uh, Lethal Enforcers and um, oh, I don't know, no! Area Fifty. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know like uh, you know time crisis I, I i even like the the modern time crisis halo the halo arcade game is fun but right um shooting stuff's always been part of our t2 man that was such a good fun game you know it still is man <laughs> just love it uh so chatters uh you know, think about these these things, and if you're trying to emulate these games on an LCD, most of them don't work. Um, although the Sega hardware probably still does work because it has the thingy and all that. Anyway, so anyway, um, just think about that as we're asking Jeff questions. Mark, you had a question for okay. him. Yes, and uh, and I know you touched very vaguely on this. I want specifics here because I know I've, sure. I've heard your other interviews. I'm going to ask oh, okay. the circumstances where you first met up with your the game Duck Hunt because I know you didn't have it at your house. But you had some buddies. Who were these right. buddies? What were their names? How far away were they? How did you know them? <laughs> did they have cute sisters? Go. <laughs> good, good, good. I love this question. That was great. My, it was my friend Sean, and he lived maybe, I don't know, a quarter mile away or so uh, to the north of where I lived. And, and yeah, he... He had like a really older sister. I don't think he was anywhere. Really oh. Well, that could be good because I had a friend with an older sister who was a cheerleader and I was very happy. <laughs> yeah, but he, he had an awesome basement full of all sorts of games and such. But I just really loved Duck Hunt. So that was uh, <laughs> and yeah, we had Sega. What, so, that I didn't have the, so what didn't is the fun. satisfaction of Duck Hunt? Let's just discuss this briefly. Uh, Jeff, you lead us off. What is the satisfaction? It, I mean, the, the just the game, it's such uh, what you call high concept. Like that's all you're doing. You're hunting ducks and it's, it takes a, a minute to learn and right. um, it, it, it becomes increasingly challenging. You, you start off and think, Oh, that was simple. And then you get up to you know, level 18, 19 or so. And, and the ducks are flying around pretty fast. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's appealing for the reasons you mentioned earlier. There's a, there's a certain kind of primal, uh, 
desire to shoot things, which I think goes back millennia. Uh, yes. Before firearms, even to, even to bows and arrows and, and spheres and so forth. The hunter-gatherer um, concept, even. What's that? The, hunter, the hunter-gatherer concept. The hunter-gatherer concept, indeed. Um, there's a, a certain appeal to being able to, to play games like this indoors safely. Uh, I, I enjoy shooting real firearms as well, and it's... It's nice. I can't do that indoors, uh, at least not without right. pissing off the neighbors. So you need to um, come to my place. Uh, I have a follow-up <laughs> question now. No shit. You, I'm sorry, but Brian, you need to explain that. You have ducks about your freaking fireplace, dude. Yeah. So I, the irony of what you just said, Jeff, is uh, so the guy that started Rapala in the U.S. built the house I live in now. Oh really? Yeah, and the, the um, lure company, Rapala. Yep, yeah, Rapala, the lure company. I have I have an honest to goodness gun range in the basement. <laughs> nah, wow. He does. He does. Like actually, That's... the irony of that is next to the gun, duck hunt game I showed you earlier. So all the gun games are back in that room because that room is a firing range. There's a 25 yard culvert pipe going out into the yard, um, wow. in, into a bunker that is only accessible through this pipe. It's just totally kind of the, the wildest thing. It's crazy. Yeah, I I am envious. That, that is what I feel right now. I feel envy. Uh, but and here's the wow. thing. Let me just. I'm gonna I'm gonna tangent on this just a little bit because it's so <laughs> awesome. Okay. He bought this giant house built in 1971. Totally an outdoorsman house, right? He's got an indoor pool. They tested their lures in the pool. They shot and sighted their rifles in the gun range and. <laughs> And they had a row of ducks that they shot and put up above the fireplace that actually when the, when people bought the home and tried to flip it and Brian, uh, you know, ended up acquiring the house, which I, I don't know if I'm giving away too much here, Brian, I'm sorry, but anyway, it's okay. <laughs> he's, he's talking to the previous, like, dude, you need to tell this part of the story. So, so I got in touch with the original owner's daughter and she's given us a bunch of the original parts of the house back because the, uh, the intermediate owner was, uh, let's just say is out on like six warrants and like wanted by the FBI and several, I mean, just a terrible person. (laughs) Oh no. So what's happened is all of this stuff has reappeared in our house and uh, it's, it's pretty crazy, but I mean, it's just, it's one of these places my, my wife and I walked through and we're standing at this pipe going out into the yard, looking at it, trying to figure out what the hell this is. And the realtor that showed us the house hadn't toured it before. So we're all standing there looking at this pipe going, now what the hell is this? And we're trying to, I'm like, it looks like rotten wood at the other side, on the other end. And about 15 minutes later, I said, those are gun holes. Yeah. This is a firing range. There's yeah. even a little fan to blow away the smoke. Yeah. Actually, That's suck critical. the smoke outside. But that the is, ducks. That is absolutely critical. Tell the story about the ducks. Range. The ducks are the important part of the story. Oh, well, so, so, so like, so the, so there's these five uh, um, bluebill ducks that were returned to us that are all in the poses of landing and they're now back over the fireplace. And so there's literally like they were shot by the previous guy. Uh, I mean, it's just, the house is, wow. has all these weird features. There used to be studio lights in the backyard that he would flip on and take pictures of the deer. I mean, it's just a very interesting place. It is not to wow. say wow. way too much. You come, Jeff, you come back up here. <laughs> but, we'll, we'll put you up. You, you come yeah, up. Yeah. <laughs> One of us and, will. So that, one and of us we'll let you shoot inside. That's you, enticing. I, I've never been. <laughs> you come. I've heard of houses that have like indoor pools and so forth. Yeah, but yeah. an indoor shooting range—that's uh, that's crazy. I, I, hard to top that. That's pretty good. It is nuts. 
Anyway, that's a huge tangent. I'm sorry. So right. no, but but hey, hold on. My question that is okay. a, a tangent off this tangent. All right, is have you ever been on a duck hunt in real life? Oh, oh, oh that's yeah, a good question. I, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll shoot shotguns, mostly clays these days, mostly sporting clays and such. Okay, sporting clays and American trap. Um, the I've I've been on upland game hunts, so pheasant and doves and so forth. Right, but I've never done a duck hunt, a duck hunt proper. Well, one day with 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 uh, Colorado is there aren't really that many places to duck hunt. A lot of like, no, I don't, I don't Minnesota. think they get up that high, do they? I mean, that's they, they do. There are some, but it's not like Minnesota uh, where you have you, right. you, you throw a, you can't throw a stone without hitting a lake. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you could but you can actually you can actually hit a house. Sometimes you can hit like a house on a golf course. But anyway, um, <laughs> all right. So we invited you on the show because I got excited about um, about the fact that you had designed. So you have the, all this sort of electrical engineering experience. Mm-hmm. You uh, you obviously you know are a smart guy, and you and you're in in love with duck hunt in some way. And you thought, I want to play duck hunt one day. And you go and you hook up your Nintendo. You have like an old toaster style Nintendo and you plug it into your LCD and you plug that and you put that cartridge in. Well, let's be honest. You blow on the cartridge if you're and then you like, (laughs) which is an urban legend turns out. Right. And you (laughs) stick that thing in the, and you're like, and you pop it down and boom, it blinks a couple times. You pull that cartridge, kind of (laughs) stick it back in there again. Oh, boom. It comes back up. And now you're like, Oh, this is going to be awesome. I have a, like a 52 inch television. I'm going to, I'm gonna shoot the hell of these ducks, and then bam, 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 bam. You miss every Zero single points. duck, uh, and you're like, God dang it! <laughs> so it, you, yeah. you come up with a project to to it's, remedy this. Yeah. Pro- As an electrical engineer, you're like, okay, this I can solve this problem. I'm gonna come up with an idea. So. Where did you come up with the uh, project name Modern Mallard? Did you come up with it? Where did you come up with it? That was a uh, discussion with an IP attorney friend of mine who said that if you use the word duck, you're probably going to be sued. Nintendo, <laughs> all right, so one thing, a little bit of context here. This is good. Nintendo is very de- defensive of their trademarks, oh. and well, they still own a hold up, duck. Hold up, hold up, hold uh, up. Just hold that thought for just a second. Nintendo okay. is literally in the last three months shut down every ROM site. That is on the internet. Yeah, well, that's a ex- great example of that. They're they're unlike most of the other companies. So um, far and away, the most litigious of the yes of the various uh, video game manufacturers. Like the other ones, don't even hold a candle to it. And right. so I was very concerned about being sued by Nintendo. And so I talked to an IP attorney <laughs> friend of mine who said, if you mention anything about Duck or if you mention anything about Hunt, you're probably screwed. Um, yeah. But so I threw around some names and. When I well, a little bit of segue, but when I was a young junior engineer, I would see the marketing department try to come up with names for things at, at Medtronic, and they would spend months and you know who knows how many dollars coming up with a stupid name for something. And I always thought, well, I could do better than that. But it turns out when you actually try to make a really commercially usable name for something, it's really hard, and there are a lot of things you have to worry about. Um, you know, is a domain available? Available? How? What's the IP situation? Are you going to infringe on other trademarks? Uh, does it mean something nasty in some other language? Like there, there are a variety of issues that 
just never came to mind before I had That's to hilarious. come up with a name for something. So modern melody was not the first choice. It was actually duck zap. I think is what I was the very first idea I had for it. But, uh, I, it, I, I figured that if the, if the device worked, the name, the name wouldn't matter all that much. So, uh, I said, ah, whatever. I'll, I'll just come up with something that works and, and move on and, and solve bigger, bigger problems. Yeah. That's, wow. that, that's good. So modern Mallard just came, came out of the ether sort of, so, so to speak out of the void. Yep. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> that's good. I mean, and it is a fantastic name for the project and, uh, maybe you should give us at this point, maybe it's a good idea to tell us a little bit about the kickstart project that you, you tried, you try to get things going. Yeah. So there were to some a little more backstory. There were, there've been a number of attempts over the years to get, uh, duck hunt to work on LCD TVs and they've involved various contrivances. Um, one that was more recent that was very clever. I got some traction on, on YouTube involved adding a device between the NES and the TV that would watch the video signal and, and look for a sort of telltale there that the, the um, display of this, this white rectangle that would indicate where a duck was displayed. And, they used some other trickery to to make it work, but I thought that was a little bit inelegant, and I wanted to be able to play the game. Hey, can I, can I can I ask you? Is that the Sindin light gun? Uh, or is that a that different be, project? I think that's a different project. I think that was the one that was uh, that used a it, it, a camera in the light yeah, gun, like an HD camera that like a webcam yeah. that they stuck in the light gun. Right, and so that yeah, so that's another example of another approach to this problem, which was to use a camera in the light gun body in the light gun shell that would try to identify the the boundaries of the television, the kind of the bright rectangle of the television. It, it turns out it's hard to tell with human eyes, but with with cameras, things like uh, like LCD monitors and TVs and so forth are very bright compared to their, their surroundings. And so, you the idea there was that he would determine where the gun was pointed. Um, based on recognizing using some some sort of uh, artificial intelligence and, and some sort of graphics routines to figure out where the the gun was pointed relative to the overall screen, and then figure out where uh, when to indicate the hit on on the the duck. So that was another clever solution that I thought was a little inelegant because it requires some expensive hardware in terms of cameras and so forth and. Um, had some some issues with, with brightness and some other issues. So he was that was another uh, effort. Okay. So I took a, a different approach. Different approach was to to tackle the two problems that were inherent that were causing the problems with with Duck Hunt not working in LCD TVs. The first was that there's extra delay on an LCD TV, unlike with a CRT TV, an old tube TV. You have uh, a couple of frames, or if you're being technical, NTSC uh, fields of delay between when the NES draws something and when it actually appears on the screen. The timing inside the game assumes a very, very uh, small wind- a margin of error, a small window for between when it draws something and when it expects it to be displayed, and then where, therefore when it expects to be displayed or detected by the gun. So that's one challenge, the timing, the, the, the latency. The other problem was that the gun couldn't see the screen itself. There were, the gun used the repurposed infrared remote control. The, this is the stock Nintendo uh, Zapper light gun. Used a 
a chip that was meant for remote control receivers, like like the infrared remote control receivers like used for remote control on a TV. And it it uh, repurposed it to detect things around the horizontal refresh rate, 15 kilohertz or so, on these old tube TVs. With modern LCD TV, you don't have that that 15 kilohertz horizontal refresh signal, and uh, therefore that the the signal would fall outside of the bandpass filter that was in the light gun and the zapper, so it wouldn't work. Um, so I set out to solve both of these problems: the latency and as well as the, the issue with the, the gun not being able to see the TV at all because of the bandpass filter. So, wow, yeah, nice. I mean, that's so one of the big things with all the when we do the classic or the repairs of the classic games for the arcades. So you mentioned one up earlier in the cold open. We do a lot of work for the, the local arcade bars uptown. And um, there's a debate over replacing, you know, these monitors with LCDs and on the gun games, it's just, there's no choice. They, they have to maintain those CRTs. Mm-hmm. So, and it, it's, you know, it's funny because I think a lot of the guys in the arcade world just, go well yeah i mean you have to use a crt but to to hear you describe how and why it's it's like okay that actually makes sense now (laughs) yeah yeah extra latency some of them rely on on displaying some of the newer light gun games um use the actual position of the electron beam to determine where you're aimed on the screen which is pretty clever a duck hunt wasn't quite like that it was a little bit more primitive in that sense but yeah, for the, what, the, the games that rely on very tight timing between the, uh, the signal being emitted by the game console or the, the board in an arcade game, and when it's displayed on the screen, um, yeah, the difference can, make, can be quite noticeable and can be detrimental to the, to the operation of the game. For, for most games, I'd say the, the extra couple of frames of latency, so the extra, depending on, on how many frames... 30 to 45 milliseconds of latency probably doesn't matter. That's not noticeable by humans. So it might not matter as much assuming you have a decent LCD in there, but yeah, for all the light gun games uh, that, uh, that latency is just, it's a deal breaker. It, they just can't tolerate that. They're not meant to, they didn't, they didn't imagine a world where that would be possible, where it would be, or, or at least not a world where it would be uh, commonplace. Yeah. It's, you know, it's funny. One of the things that comes up in the, kind of crossing over to the fighting game community is we do a lot of work with these guys playing um, the street fighter games. And mm-hmm. a lot of them will push to be playing street fighter two turbo on original CRTs to eliminate that lag. And like the OSSC project, which is a, um, a uh, converter to go from classic CRT up to a more modern uh, LCD. There's this huge emphasis on lag. And a lot of those fighters, uh, single frame or double frame lag creates a huge problem in how they actually play and compete in that game. And so there's an amazing attention to that for their gameplay. The, the f- thing that I always found kind of funny with them, though, is that they'll, they'll get into these debates about they'll, they'll be playing a game. And they're like, well, that was on a 120 refresh instead of a 60 refresh monitor. And I, I just can't play on 120 refreshes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going. I'm not sure you can see yeah. that. <laughs> I, I would. I, I think they'd be hard pressed to see that. There, there's a. Um, I think if they did a blind test, a proper, you know, double blind, you know, proper oh, yeah. controlled study, I think that would probably fall apart. But uh, on the other hand, a lot of the stuff relies on uh, on the gamer's confidence in their equipment and so forth. Yep. And if they believe that matters, then maybe it does to them, even if it doesn't matter in, in an objective sense 
um, from an external observer. Um, yeah, it, it's it, it's interesting. There are, there are projects that have replaced or that, that develop replacement controller boards for LCD panels, for very specific LCD panels that are designed to minimize to the greatest extent possible the latency between the input signal and the time that that, that input signal is drawn on the LCD. Um, they're typically meant for, to my understanding, uh, certain medical tests and certain um, kind of military applications. So they're available. They're pretty expensive. They have some issues, like they're only for very specific LCD panels, not not even full built monitors, but like the panel itself. But if you're willing to pay enough, you can get that sort of thing. Still wouldn't solve the problem with Duck Hunt, um, for example, because Duck Hunt assumes a a certain it assumes things are going to be drawn essentially right when it sends a signal, up, like sub millisecond delay. And even waiting until most of the the frame has been transmitted is is too long. Like if you wait until the minimum amount of time you, you could wait. So you wait until you have one complete screen's worth of data sent to your monitor or your TV. Uh, you're still a screen or a monitor off in terms of lag from where you would have been with a CRT, which draws things in real time as that electron beam goes along. It has no memory. That CRT has no memory. Um, so even that little bit of leg would, would spoil Duck Hunt and many of the other LCD uh, or many other light gun games. Okay, so hey, I'm going to jump into this. I, I got um, I looked up your Kickstarter goal. Mm-hmm. I, I looked up the Sinden goal. You were, two, you were 125. They were actually 316, but both, both failed to break $10,000. It did, did you, yeah. Yeah. Did you get any feedback or did you receive, you know, about any information about people about why the project, you know, actually was able to have, you know, couldn't quite make it there? I mean, yeah. Well, it's, it was a whole, it was a very interesting experience. It was, it was worthwhile. Um, yes. You could say so. So there's a, an idea in, in formal decision analysis that you can only, you can only judge decisions based on the information you had at the time. Um, and I think that given the information I had at the time of before when I was starting the Kickstarter, I, I made the right decision to start it and to, to do it. And I think the, the goal was reasonable. Uh, the, <laughs> the, the failure, I think, was to appreciate how much it costs to do hardware right. and, how, and the disconnect between that and how much people are willing to pay for hardware. I have a question and, about that. Yeah. So... Uh, you were so excited about getting that light board for the the gun created, and you had discovered that it's relatively inexpensive to create. You know, you know boards, right? Like just basic, basic. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, you can build a board. Yeah, you could get a a PCB manufactured for relatively cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, it's only a very small part of the overall costs. Like. Sure. Uh, it's just a small fraction of, of the cost to build something. Right. But, but you're right. You can get a PC built PCB built for a uh, for pretty low price. So, uh, you had a goal of 125,000, maybe somewhere in that range. I was correct. That's right. Um, yep. And what was, what was the idea? Like you wanted to create, like how many of these did you want to produce? I know you wanted to get 130 bucks a set, which, Okay, just to just to just to give everybody a, a, it's, like a it's a lot. I mean, yeah, I recognize that. Yeah, 
Oh no, no, no! I'm not. That's not my point. My point is, is that you, like in order to get this thing, you needed a board for your gun, right? Mm-hmm. And you needed a right. daughter board for your um, your duck cartridge. hunt or cartridge, yep. which which isn't a far fetched thing because no. actually uh, they they use those back in the day for a different game games. You know, when they wanted to convert a Japanese it is, game, true. Yeah, they had converter boards for the Famicon right. to the uh, yeah. NES. They were converting the... So not a far-fetched thing, whatever. right? And you're thinking, okay, I can make these these for relatively cheap. So my question is, what was... Okay, I understand that you had a goal for your Kickstarter, but what? how many of these things did you intend to make? I always saw it as a, a limited run thing. I... I so D- Duck Hunt was one of the most popular games for the the NES um, period. It was included with a number of later NESs, which helped its popularity. But I think, I have to look up the numbers, I think it was something on the order of 28 million copies were um, distributed or sold sure. of Duck Hunt. And so I figured uh, if I get a small fraction of that, that would be great. Uh, but I didn't intend for it to be a full-time uh, career changing sort of right. operation. So I thought, what are the, what I did is I looked at I had a spreadsheet because engineer, and so yeah. I had the spreadsheet and worked out the <laughs> the cost to build these things. And it was looked sure. at the bomb, one part of which was the PCB, but also all the other components, all of the the assembly costs. Right. Uh, the two boards. One was for the light gun to make it loyal to to see a LCD TV, and the other one was to patch the game. Because um, I, I knew Nintendo would sue my sue my ass if I ever started distributing a patched copy of the game. Sure. Yeah. So um, I looked at what it would cost, and I looked at what my opportunity cost was, and so I said, "Well, if I'm going to do this, and I see a market of size X, what does my price Y need to be? Uh, assuming Z number of sales." And so um, the math worked out to. That that number, hundred and twenty something thousand, and sure. I, I thought if I can sell a thousand of these, just sort of a one time one shot deal, then I could could do it. I kind of personally, I had, I mean, it already worked for me. I already had a copy of Duck Hunt that worked. So I thought, <laughs> exactly. Great, I'm, I'm set. Um, right. But right. I heard other people wanted to play Duck Hunt too because they had nostalgia because yeah. they liked to uh, shoot things, um, and so. It was it was uh, it was not just pulled out of thin air. It was it was based on experience, knowing how much. Hardware cost to build, which is um, which is interesting too. People see these these mass market items that where there are millions of these things made, and they're built in China and they're built to a cost to a bare minimum cost. Yeah, and they say, oh well, you could build this for X dollars. And like, yeah, but there's that assumes you're building a million of them, and that the scale of a million. Is way different than building a thousand of something hardware. Like a thousand is a super small run. Like most contract manufacturers won't even talk to you if you're going to build a thousand of something. I suppose. Um, and so it, it's it was interesting watching the sort of general population uh, try to absorb the the thought that small run hardware could cost a lot of money. And uh, yeah, I think that was where the discount was. But okay. But it wasn't just pulled out of thin air. No, 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 no. And I know you put in a lot of hurt. And the the problem that you, like, and that problem is a very common problem in the arcade community because you get get these projects where, you know, maybe there were 
you know, 200 to 500, maybe 600, a thousand machines made. Yeah. And you're trying to produce hardware for that. And to do anything becomes very difficult. So these machines become very difficult to restore, to get back working. Certain components are just required in order to have that machine. And it's, and so when you start playing with this stuff, uh, one of the things I've noticed with the arcade community is there are certain projects. We were joking about the spy hunter seat project earlier. We did a limited run of seats. They were very expensive People were willing to pay them because not a lot of people have that that cockpit. We've done other projects where we've had what I thought were great ideas charge a similar thing, and everybody goes, why are you charging so much? Why is this more than $10? And it's like, exactly. because we're not going to produce a million units. And that air, the other thing that I feel like happens a lot of times is people don't understand that they're, you know, a lot of the people doing these projects, and not just us, I mean, I noticed this in the people that come to us, we talk to, because we do a lot of work with people doing projects. Mm-hmm. They assume that they are going to get absolutely zero for doing the project. And so, yeah. and it's it's not really fair to say, you know, if you spend 400 hours of your life or 100 hours of your life perfecting something, that that is worth nothing. Now, most people that do it don't bill out their hours or charge their hours at a rate that they normally would in their real jobs. True. But even at that, you know, you, you know, one of the local guys that restores machines said he calculated out that he makes $5 an hour by the time he's done. He just loves doing them. Right. But there's got to be something there. And that's a piece that I think the community misses is how much time, passion, effort, knowledge, background, and all this other value goes into it. And I feel personally that we've lost a good deal of that talent because we aren't willing to pay for it. We're not willing to say this is legitimate. This person has really come to the table with an amazing idea. Yeah. It's more than 20 bucks. It's more than 30 bucks, but they've really done something that in a small run is worth it. We should support this. And that's something that I, um, I really, I'd like to see us doing more and more. That's, that's a great point. And, 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 and to their credit, there were a number of people on the Kickstarter who, who were willing to, to pony up and pay for these things. And I think recognized that, that, um, you know, time is not free. And, and, and yeah, I, I also agree, you know, there are things to do for passion, for love, and there are things to do for money. And those aren't always necessarily the same thing. And, um, the holiday card that I mentioned in sort of the, the cold open, uh, you know, that made absolutely no sense financially. That was, um, <laughs> if, if my friends and family knew how much each of those actually cost me, yeah, uh, they would be shocked. Uh, and so it's an excellent point. It, it's, it, it there's uh, people have been kind of uh, you see it in, in sort of the app community too on on mobile devices. Oh, I'm not going to pay for three dollars for an app. Are you kidding me? Five dollars for an app? That's ridiculous. Uh, not understanding the amount of time that went into building these things, and, and yeah, you, that's when the the quantities involved are in the you know five, six, seven figures or more uh, in, in terms of units sold. So yeah, if you look for these arcade games where there were fifty or hundred or even a thousand of them built ever. Um, no, it doesn't make sense financially. You, you kind of have to hope that the person's going to do it out of love for whatever it is. Uh, yeah. Which is interesting because uh, another kind of adage and, and going through school, uh, there, at least if you're in a, like a graduate program, you're going to do some sort of thesis or, or, or so forth. There's always a fear that somebody's going to kind of jump out and do the same thing you did ahead of you. Um, so usurp you and, and have studied the same thing and perhaps even have better results or, or whatever else. Yep. So uh, one of the great joys of the human existence is the redundancy in, 
in society and how if somebody had not thought of something, looking back through history, if somebody had not thought of the light bulb or radio or whatever else, um, you look back and say, oh, there would have been somebody else. Uh, you said, it would have said that, you know, but, but for this one person, we wouldn't have had this thing. No, but for this person, this other guy would have invented this thing and had credit for it within a fairly small window of time. And it's been interesting to see that happen with the, the modern mallard and the duck hunt thing. Um, so I had a working version of modern mallard in April of 2018 and started the Kickstarter in June of 2018. And then in about September of 2018, another guy based in Russia uh, approached the problem using a very, very similar approach to what I had done. Um, he called it, there was this, this was NES LCD mod, I think that's what he called it. And he patched the games in an astonishingly similar way to what I'm saying. Now, now to be very clear, I'm not accusing him of plagiarism or anything else. I've seen, he, there's no way he could have seen the code that I wrote. There's no way he could have done any of this. He, it was independently developed, completely independently developed. But he had essentially the same idea to do essentially the same thing, essentially the same approach. And, uh, and yeah, he, he, he said, I'm going to make, Duck Hunt and some other games work on LCD TVs by modifying them to tolerate the additional latency in the signal chain. Um, he also said that he that you can just use a, a normal light gun or, or a third-party light gun to make it watch an LCD TV. And I'm a little bit uh, a little yeah, bit wavery on that. I think that that might not work so well as nearly as well as he claims. I, I've looked at this very extensively, and I think that that probably doesn't actually work very well, but I think I think it's very interesting to see that his software approach to approach the, the latency issue was very similar and completely independently developed and implemented. So, wow. So uh, speaking, of, actually, kind of, you know, that's the next question. So, mm-hmm. did your mod only work with Duck Hunt, or did it work with all the different? Um, it it only worked with Duck Hunt, although the it could have been applied to other games as well. Mm-hmm. I looked at the game the the underlying code for Hogan's alley and so forth. Sure. And it was, it was very similar. Um, the way in which they operate followed the same sort of paradigm, the same sort of pattern and you'd call it. Uh, so although the, the patch I wrote was only for, uh, for, um, for duck hunt, that one that I wrote, it, it could have been extended fairly, fairly easily to the other games, but it would have required some effort with each of those games to, to kind of patch in the right, details yeah so because that would be cool if you could have like a sort of generic mod yeah yeah unfortunately the, the way so, so watch <laughs> these things you had to uh, go into the game and essentially hook the game at various points to say that oh this instruction we can kind of instead of this addition instruction and we're talking like low level machine sort of assembly language level instructions instead mm-hmm. of saying, uh, you know, we're going to add two numbers. Well, instead of that, we're going to replace that instruction with a jump instruction and go off and run this other piece of code. And this other piece of code is going to do these other special things that allow us to tolerate delay. Then we're going to sort of jump back in to, to pick up execution where we left off or we, we hooked into that game. So there are, there are some details there. Um, and it's, it's, kind of it, it was tricky um i have a great deal of respect for the, this this russian programmer who did the same thing because i know how hard it was <laughs> for, for duck hunt it was it was non-trivial to do that so brian uh armitage is there 
Is there any way you and Jeff could work out a way just to run like a hundred of these things? Huh? <laughs> we, we, we do a lot of playing with this stuff, but yeah, I don't know. We'd have to take a look at it. I actually was thinking, you know, we had on the, the discussion earlier in the news, the Mr. Board. I mean, what I'd be fascinated with is to see, is there a way to take some of what's been done? Cause I mean, the mystery, you have the ability to do those modifications straight on the software side of things with the FPGA chip. Sure. It would be neat to create kind of an FPGA patch that would allow you to, on the NES core, play Duck Hunt on an LCD. I mean... Yeah, yeah. And you could load a patched version of the game. And the reason I didn't, uh, that would have been a lot simpler. Yeah. Um, again, the big, big bad Nintendo. The, the, the problem is, with many of these things, I've, I've got something to lose, right? They could sue me and I would, that would hurt. Well, if, so, if you're... If you, if, getting if older, pat, if I think we all know, exactly. as we get older, we have more to lose with these things. So, Very um, true. The... That was the reason I didn't. And in fact, I so instead I did the, the approach of. Oh, sorry, again, a, a visual here, but this the yes. second component was the patch board, which was yeah more complicated and, and harder than the. That thing is cool, though. That thing is cool. This is. I'm, I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty proud of it. This is. This took a lot of. This took a like custom building a 72 pin connector, which is. Yeah, just a little bit different. Nintendo uses pain in the neck. Pain in the neck. It's this 2.50 millimeter pitch yeah. connector, which I have a huge number of now in case somebody needs it. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had them custom built by a company in, in Shenzhen in the, the Pearl River Delta sure. in, uh, in China. And so I have a huge one of these now. But um, And then to, <laughs> to write code that would essentially run uh, about 70 times faster than the 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 core the, the NES core um, to watch for what game what what instruction was being accessed figure out if that needed to be patched and if it needed to be patched to present that patched version of of the game and to do this on every single cycle you know and be successful 100 percent of the time and and to do this make these decisions on on a sort of a nanosecond scale which was which was tricky and involved. Uh, discovering a lot of undocumented behavior in the 6502, which is the, the chip in the NES. Mm-hmm. Um, so it took a huge amount of engineering effort to build this patch board, which wouldn't be necessary if I didn't have to worry about Nintendo suing me for distributing a patch version of the game. But <laughs> that's, that's how it goes sometimes. So if a leaked patched version of the game ended out there, we could just do the light gun mod, right? Yeah, yeah. And if you weren't worried about working too well, you could just put a, uh, use a third-party board like the NES LCD mod guys sure. are doing and just say, ah, we're just going to put a photo diode in there and a transistor and, and see, call it good. And um, the thing is, is that's like really translatable, not just to people that are wanting to run Duck Hunt on their TV, but like if there's a, a whole community of main people out there, people that want to run multi-arcade machine emulator games, this this could translate, you know, if, if it were yeah. written right. True, true. Yeah, and there's um, and there are ways to do it. like so. The, the made a, a board, a custom board for the the zapper to make it work under all conditions, and and that too is not really all that expensive on its own, and it would be applicable to many of these games. It would it'd say, ah, oh, we're going to make the the game uh, work with an LCD without worrying about these horizontal refresh rates and these and these other things. 
Um, yeah, so there's a, certainly applicability. I think that as the supply of CRTs dwindles, there will probably be more interest in other solutions like this. They're finite some number of supplies. I don't know. I imagine there are still companies, some factories making CRTs yeah, no, somewhere, no. unlike uh, three and a half inch floppy disks. So <laughs> probably yeah. remember CRTs are done. Sort of trivia. There's no there are zero factories in the world. There are none anywhere that yeah. make three and a half inch floppy disks. Now, yeah. uh, none anywhere, not in, not here, not in China, not anywhere. Right, um, right, right. If you want any of them, you buy them used. Yes, or there's some stash of them on you know <laughs> NOS. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The Czar, the yes. stock. Yep, yep. <laughs> I don't think there's anywhere making CRTs anymore. The uh, supposedly the last set of equipment was bought by the Chinese from the Koreans, and they're not running it. Yeah. Oh, really? That's my understanding. Yeah. Yeah. I and that's what so they problem. are done. Like, like the tooling the, to make a CRT is non-trivial. Like that, that is really hard. And if you don't have the tooling for it, or if the tooling falls into disrep- into disrepair, yeah, it's it's not like you can just start making them again. That that is a really really hard. And I don't, I don't know if people really appreciate how how hard it is to just start making these things. It's right. It's really tricky. My understanding is with the CRTs is it wasn't just the tooling, but the actual uh, skill set to be able to use the tooling. That's so when yeah. the tooling was purchased, it was not conveyed how to actually use it. It's just like, okay, we can do this. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of the reason why I believe there's nowhere running them right now. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, so this age of, of a CRT-less future uh, <laughs> might be... <laughs> Might be nice. Yeah, so this is very sad. This is a sad end to the show, actually. I just want to say uh, it's been an honor having you on the show. And and this is a really interesting topic. And I think you and Brian should have some conversations about how we can make a run of 50 or 10. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've uh, Brian has done runs of oh, yeah. the Journey, the journey uh, cassette board. We got, we got connections. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I have all the I have all the hardware files. I have about a zillion of these <laughs> stupid pin 2.50 millimeter pictures. Right. We, <laughs> God, I, I want one of those just because they look cool. They're red. I want to. Yeah, I want to take, I wanna take uh, my, my duck hunt yes. cartridge and put that in there. I do. That would, it would work. It would. That would. That would do the trick. It's half. It's half the way. I got half. Half the way. Well, you just need one of these other uh, little blue boards. Yeah, that's the other thing I need. Red. That's yeah. let's see. I know a guy. I know a guy. I'm just saying. You know, I know a, guy. a guy. That's right. You know a guy. <laughs> so, but seriously, I, I think this is a a project that could eventually end up still happening. Maybe not in a thousand run, but uh, what happens in the arcade industry and our, and, you know, and both Mark and Brian can back me up is is when when these guys decide to do a run, they do a run of two hundred, mm-hmm. and so whether it's a control panel, whether it's a uh, modification for a tempest or whatever they don't they don't make a thousand of them and sure. so and it's a it's a admirable goal but what my point is is that if you want to make a smaller run and you just want to do it just so people can get like hooked on it and tell other people to buy it then multiple runs will eventually be made and you won't make a ton of money on this you're going to get it rich you're not going to get rich uh. I don't know about that. I might, I, I might buy though that I should do it just for the love of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things for some things for love and some things for money. And I think this might. I mentioned I was trying to do it for money. 
yeah. I think the answer might be to do it for love, and that might be the key here. But you got to break think, even. Uh, you can't. You can't be losing money on it. No, true. Yeah. Go so ahead, Brian. Like, Go ahead, Brian. Give you an example. The uh, so getting back to the spy hunter seats, we ran thirty five yes. of them. Mm-hmm. You know, That's a and, small run. That's a really small yeah. run. Yeah, it was two hundred and seventy. So we did two hundred dollars for a pre order. Two hundred seventy five dollars if you didn't pre order. And at the end of the day, I don't know. I haven't run the numbers on how much I made, but like maybe, maybe made like 150 bucks when all was said and done. Yeah. But my spy hunter has a seat. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And at one one point people were complaining so much about the delays. I threatened. I said, look, I'll front the $4,000 myself to have a goddamn seat, my spy hunter. And none of you get it. And all of a sudden it was crickets. Everyone was like, thank you for doing this. Whenever they're done, we'll appreciate it. But it's, yeah, but yeah. It, it is it is, it is a tough it is a tough question because one of the things that I think you get into is people don't realize that in order to support future projects in order to support kind of we do this with a passion but at the same time you have to have some funding to get into the next project you have to have some desire to get into it and when you have a lot of demand without any type of kind of like recuperation of costs or it's minimal you know, me putting up with all these people complaining about stuff. Do I want to do that for 150 bucks when I can go take another night of call and not have as many people yelling at me, you know? And so you get into these things and you start to make decisions. And I think that that's one of the things that we as a community need to realize that we have to support people like yourself who are very ingenuitive in your approach and, and contributing in a way that deserves kind of a compensation as well as a respect. And that respect isn't just a, Hey, you're a great guy, which you are, but it's also a, you're a great guy and you deserve something for this work that you've done. And I think that that's, you know, we're not there completely yet. I don't know if we'll ever get there. I'd like to see it happen more, but uh, it is, it is a tough balance of things and we see it over and over again. Um, I'd be thrilled to work with you on it, but it's, it's always a tough, you know, it's, a, it's always difficult figuring out where that sweet spot is and what makes sense. Uh, Cause too little, it becomes a hassle. You're going to get questions. You, you put the stuff out in the world. It's not like you toss it over the wall and you never see it again. All of a sudden, you know, you toss a hundred boards over the wall and you've got 500 questions coming back at you that you have to deal with. And right. that's your time, your energy, you know? So that's true. Uh, it's, it's a great point. It, it's, it's not just a one-off thing. It's not a, not a one shot deal. It's nope. continued support. It's continued. There's an expectation uh, for the customers. And, and yeah, I, I think you hit on it. Great, great point. I, I think that it all boils down to, you have to engage passionate people that want the product. And mm-hmm. if you are willing to run a smaller run uh, and not profit, you will be able to make some of these things. And maybe down the line, you'll get enough money to buy an extra Christmas present for somebody. Some, or a somewhere. Tesla for yourself. Or, you or, know. <laughs> that'd be great. But, yeah. <laughs> or a time machine. Oh, those are cheap, actually. Those are the best. They don't really work, just FYI. I'd already be rich if I had a Jeff, I want to thank you for being on the show. We've had, we ran way over in getting started, so thanks for being patient with us. And I, it's such a fun story. Uh, I don't think your story's over yet. This is a this is this is either going to turn into something or it's going to inspire somebody else to make something of equal value that to for the community. And it in you know 
a lot of us are arcade collectors on this podcast and uh, listeners, and they will always be diehard CRT fans, so maybe not a problem for them. But every once in a while, you know, we want our FPGA, uh, AVS, our uh, Nintendo systems that you can hook up to your HDMI TV and, you know, shoot away. So uh, it's, it's very intriguing, and you're a very smart guy. Uh, really fun to have you on the show. I just want to thank you for being a guest. Well, well, thank you, Adam. Thank you, uh, Adam, Mark, and, and Brian. This has been uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, great joy talking with all three of you. And and thanks for participating. Uh, I know it's a little bit of a like, oh, I'm going to be here for a couple of hours. I, I didn't know that. You know, <laughs> so I really oh, it's been a joy. Thank kind of hijacked you, but we would love to have you on again. And maybe maybe Brian and you can talk offline and and work something out. Otherwise, uh, you know. We're, we're willing to, you know, pay attention. I think, you know, you got a lot more press after the failure than you had going into the Kickstarter. And I'm not just saying that, but I think there was a lot more people who like all of a sudden, what, what did we miss out on? Like, oh God, we should have been like, I would have given, you know. I, well, fail, failure is such a harsh word. I think it's, it's sort of like you you, you just <laughs> well, you say, hey, I, it's a harsh this word. Is a, you this was is a ring some... of fire I want to jump through, and then maybe you don't make it. <laughs> yeah, there right, you go. Right. And, and marketing, I mean, it's hard, turns out. Uh, yeah, you know, I always thought, is. oh, you it just sell hard. stuff. How hard could that be? Well, <laughs> but, you, you know, turns out, yeah. it's plenty a, more chances. Listen, I've invested in many Kickstarter Uh which I don't really know why, because I'm an early adopter, and at least three of them have failed. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's don't just, bid on his. Don't don't get in on his Kickstarter if he does something again. I, exactly, because we want uh, it to succeed. Oh yeah, there you go. I have one I'm not even going to mention you're because I'm still omen, hoping man. it will. I'm still hoping Damn it, it will Adam. happen. I have one that I'm not going to mention because I'm still it's a, it's a record it's really cool anyway uh, <laughs> thanks for being on the show and by the way you know uh, we have we have the show airs every other week right right Mark right yeah so hey, thanks for listening yeah go ahead thanks for listening into the double R's that's arcade radio ah facebook.com slash arcade radio or arcade radio.com that's RCA deradio.com You can call or leave comments and questions on the game line 612-548-GAME That's 4263 Nobody leaves questions Nobody does it Sometimes Bob, Bob calls Bob calls, right Hey, hey, follow us on Facebook <laughs> Facebook.com slash Arcade Radio That starts with an R Or Twitter at ArcadeRadio.com Coincidentally also starts with an R <laughs> you, you go ahead You can subscribe to the YouTube channel It's just one click oh, Is nice. it really? One click. I've never. It's I, like Amazon. Like ten clicks. Like it's not just Twitter. It's uh, iTunes, yeah. Google Play Music, and SoundCloud. That's where we're SoundCloud. You know, and and that might change, but you know, for now, I think it's Brian's turn to say this last. Yeah, hey, that's gonna be it for the show from Arcade Radio Team. We hope you had a great time, and we'll see you next time. All right. Yeah. And this is where Mark takes his pants off. I'm taking my pants off right now. My belt is off. <laughs> I'm so comfortable. Here we go. Yeah. I'm not I'm not really comfortable. I'm just kidding. I have to be honest. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> oh, we're we off. Started the, the Dalton really early. I know I did. <laughs> but you know what? <laughs> I, we started the show really late, so it's sort of yeah. Up. Okay, good. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs>
You kept it at two hours. Thank God. <laughs> is, is Jeff even here? Oh, good. Okay, okay. We, we, we didn't scare Jeff away. Good. We, we often like to thank our guests after we've gone to this train wreck of a show. <laughs> <laughs>